What's that episode? What is the episode? Comedy writer, improviser, and man who is never outdressed, Matt Bird. All right. <laughs> How's it going, Matt? It is going quite well. How are you two? Well, very well. Yeah. Very well today. It's great to have you over. It's great to have you on. I mm-hmm. am genuinely thrilled to be here. Excellent. <laughs> and uh, yeah. this is my maiden podcast voyage as being a guest in over 10 years of listening to podcasts. Welcome to Immortality. What? <laughs> right? We've changed the name of our podcast? Oh, is no. that what's happening? No, 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 no. I was saying uh, once you are once you are podcasted, you are immortal. Oh, Your yeah. Your voice let, will last forever. Right, because well, it just goes the into the... As yeah, long ether. as the servers yeah. and and electricity is yeah. still on shore. As long as people value uh, a, a spoken storytelling history uh, <laughs> kept in computers and just nonsense people talking about things that are, I don't know, slightly relevant sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess our show does take a really uh, niche Very look at niche television. Very niche look, yeah. Fortunately, the show that we're here to talk about today has had staying power. That's true. Quite literally. Yeah. It is the show of all shows, kind of. Is it the longest running TV show? It is definitely the longest running animated show. I don't think there's another live action show. I believe that's correct. I believe it passed um, Gunsmoke a while back. Gunsmoke. That is not is my old first Western? old reference wow. that we're going to be <laughs> listening, forced to listen to. Well, so just get ready. The, I mean, talking about The Simpsons and talking about um, an episode of like, so season three, episode four, it's late enough in the show to be good, early enough in the season to make sense. But when you're talking about something like The Simpsons, which has gone for over 30 years, late enough in the show being the third season doesn't seem wow. relevant at all it seems like a it's nothing it's, it's a blip it's nothing it's barely we are what what ten, well this is 1991 when it came out and it's it one tenth of the series but so what does this mean like this is the beginning of this huge iconic sort of cultural tool at this point right yeah tool is an interesting way to refer to it all right, let me set the stage. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thank you. Thank you, Matt. I'm officially old. I am 40 <laughs> years old. I was born in 1981. So I saw this episode when it first aired. Mm-hmm. I was 10 years old. Wow. So the fact that I can still remember seeing a show that is currently in production, I can remember seeing its first episodes when they originally aired and wow. going to elementary school and talking to my friends about that episode the next day yeah makes me feel very old uh 
But that's an but, exciting experience. Yeah. It is, and it makes me very well qualified to speak about <laughs> this episode and the show in general because it was a cultural phenomenon yeah. in the early 90s. It, you, and you were watching it. So, A, I'm impressed that your parents were like, okay, yeah, you can watch The Simpsons because like, I wasn't allowed to... I mean, it took, yeah, it took a while either. for me to get to be able to watch The Simpsons. I, yeah. was, I mean, I guess 10 seems about the right age, but... You are absolutely right. My mother was a a big TV watcher. She used to watch mm. Nick at Night, Dick Van Dyke Show, Mary Tyler Moore, wow. Donna That's Reed really Show, My Three Sons. Um, and she let me watch pretty much everything. One of my <laughs> favorite shows other than The Simpsons at this time was Murphy Brown. If you guys know the Candace Bergen. No. Uh, wow. Okay, no, well, I don't. That we all know awesome. Candace Bergen, right? Of course. <laughs> oh, <no>. Sure. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. Well, Candace Bergen was on Saturday Night Live at one point. Okay. Um, uh, she was in a show called Murphy Brown, won a few Emmys for it. Um, wow. Classic... A comedy actress. Well, one of my favorite shows when I was 10 years old was Murphy Brown, where she played a television reporter on a fictional show called FYI. <laughs> That's neither here nor there. Um, but the point is, I got to watch a lot of shows that were, you know, I don't know, maybe not appropriate for 10 year olds. Right. But yeah, maybe that might be why uh, this, I mean, The Simpsons is a show of shows, it's a show mm -hmm. of television. And maybe, maybe. Uh, I know if I had walked into The Simpsons uh, and not having watched any TV before, it would feel like The Simpsons is kind of, uh, you know, joke by joke, so strange and so uh, 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 ADD, for lack of a better term, uh, is so, so <laughs> drastically jumping from one concept to the next and introducing ideas in such a novel way. But it's just reference after reference. And and you probably being a a well uh, uh, well mediated uh, ten year old, you probably are catching much of that um, and much of what is in the culture that's being spoken to in The Simpsons. I definitely was in the episode we're going to talk about. I there's there's a few references that will probably be over the heads of people who are not mm. aware oh, of what yeah. was significant. Well, there's a term I use loosely, but significant circa yeah. 1991. Yeah. Um. But, you know, I was 10 years old, so you're, you're I wasn't. You were Bart's age. I, I, actually, that is true. I am wow. pretty much, because if you go and watch the other episodes, the ones where they have flashbacks, the one where uh, Lisa is born is the 84 Olympics, which uh. is. Oh, my gosh. And, and Bart is obviously already alive. Yeah. So that basically tracks my life. Yeah. So that's yeah. interesting because so much of this episode is this this portrait of like what a 10 year old a latchkey kid basically like they treat bart simpson like he's an adult in this mm. like a lot of the jokes hinge on the the reality that bart is 10 years old or very young and and this like all this responsibility like he has to get himself out of bed he has to get ready he has to grab his homework he has to make the school bus and he's like, he's barely on time for that. And it's all, the onus is all on him for everything, every step of the way. And then he gets a job with mm -hmm. mobsters. And then. Uh, Which is funny because Marge does not have a job. Yeah. Except in a few episodes later so, on. Yeah. So what is she doing that she couldn't? But, you know, the Bart and Lisa always take the school bus. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, now, now Bart does have his crusty alarm clock, so I think you know probably he likes his crusty alarm clock. But yeah. no, yeah. I, I think this is a well taken point. Bart is 
somewhat self-sufficient for a 10 year old yeah uh, which is very like i you would not see that these days right well, I, I was going to cite my own personal examples, how I would ride my bike to school yeah. and then speak to my friends about this episode. So once upon a time, 10-year-olds were able to ride their bikes to school. Yeah. I don't think too many 10-year-olds nowadays are I, allowed to ride their bikes to school. I mean, it might be a factor of my my upbringing and specifically my parentage, but I was allowed to, with my sisters, walk to or sister and like neighbor uh, we walked to school. They were in, I must have been in first grade and they were in third grade or whatever. And we were only like, I don't know, maybe a quarter of a mile away from the school. We were very close, but like we could just go off on our own in the morning. Uh, we yeah. um, like when I would go and catch the bus, the bus didn't come right in front of the house. I had to walk blocks away to go and catch the bus. And I remember missing the bus and having to get my mom to drive me to school. And that was a thing that, like, I, I was surprised Bart didn't get anyone to drive him to school because the Simpsons are yeah. a two-car household. Indeed. And Marge <laughs> doesn't have anywhere to go. So why why can't... I, I, there are many unexplained questions yeah. about the Simpsons. She's so. in this episode only to be the, like, worried mother. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She delivers her classic sound of annoyance mm-hmm. many, many times. <laughs> uh-huh. um, this is... Uh, Marge is not given the best lines to work with mm-hmm. in this episode unfortunately mm-hmm. it, but her character does become like there's she gets a lot of depth later on though absolutely and i can i can tell you five marge centric episodes that are very good just off the top of my head if your listeners were, were looking for recommendations <laughs> yeah you hit up hit up matt yeah. uh, uh, ask about any recommendation on any character from the simpsons i doubt i don't doubt that he could give you yeah. uh any kind of, uh, at least a top three for almost any character. Now, full disclosure, my uh, I've stopped watching. The oh, new ones. Wow. When when did you stop watching? <laughs> By the time I got to college, mm. I mean now. Uh, oh. th- not having enough time had a lot to do with that. This was pre-DVR. You had to watch it when it was on. Right. Um, when they all came on to FXX a few years back, that allowed me to catch up on a lot of episodes I'd never seen because it's just like, oh, The Simpsons are on and it's on for like six con- consecutive hours. Yeah. I'll just mm-hmm. sit and watch these. <laughs> but there are certainly a number of episodes I have just never seen. But There's over 300 episodes. Yeah. Actually, 600, I think. Oh, my. So we invited Matt on <laughs> as... A self-professed expert, right? That's fair. It makes me sound like an asshole, but that's fair. <laughs> uh, no, I don't think there's anything that makes you an asshole about loving a TV show. Right, and I think expertise on on something, especially a media thing, something that, that people consume, having an expertise on that, like... I think that's just a, a level of uh, understanding and love for something. And, and people anyone can be an expert on a show i think and and like you don't uh, especially with the simpsons you don't need to have watched all of it to be considered an expert um and you you, don't even need to have watched all of it to know what the show's about yeah yeah i mean i had what season one and season five of the simpsons on dvd as a kid (laughs) that those were that was it and like i could maybe catch it on tv sometimes season five is an Excellent choice. Yeah. Season one, 
is just to, just to get the ground. It's not I guess. the golden age. No, no. Season it's... five is smack in the golden age. Interesting. Is season three hitting that? Yet? Yes. Um, okay. I think most observers would agree. And this is from the writers themselves. would mm. agree the seasons three through eight inclusive. Yeah. That's your golden age. Mm. I don't love some of the episodes in season eight, but the, for the most part, they are very good. Five is you would be hard pressed to find a, a bad episode. Yeah, I just wow. every every episode of that. I I mean, I probably I can't recall them now, but I would probably if they were on, I would be like, oh yeah, this is great. That, that's great. That's great. I remember every moment of this somehow, even though now not having access to them for so long, I can't. But. And fortunately, I was able to see them as they aired, <laughs> and I, I feel it's 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 just nice I was able to experience it right at the time and still be able to go back. And now with uh, Disney Plus, you can just watch whatever you want at the press uh, of a button, except for one episode. Except for one episode on Disney Plus, uh, which kind of gave us uh, a hiccup at first because Disney Plus lists season three, episode four as uh the following episode this episode um bart's what was it called something something about being a murderer <laughs> yeah yeah uh, the episode we are speaking of is yeah. called bart the murderer bart, bart the murderer, murderer. Yes. Um, yeah. is listed as season three episode three on uh disney on plus. disney plus which is an incorrect yeah. uh uh designation uh given uh given the the uh, the actual air date of the episode is just incorrect. Disney yeah. Plus is lying. To They've you. just taken an episode off due mm-hmm. to uh, social pressure. Right. What Matt knows more about this episode. I do the episode that is removed, which is I believe the only episode that has been removed from Disney Plus. Wow. It's called Stark Raving Dad. It was a big coup for The Simpsons because they had Michael Jackson as a guest voice. That's a big get, yeah. especially huge. in 1991. Yeah. Uh, Homer gets committed to a uh, mental institution for wearing a pink shirt to (laughs) work that had been dyed pink in the laundry by mistake. (laughs) And he he meets a a large man uh, voiced by Michael Jackson, a large white man. Yeah. And that man's voice, uh, his name is, uh, I think it's Lenny. Um, And he is voiced by Michael Jackson. And uh, he, this man teaches him about life. Uh, no, Leon. It's Leon. I'm okay, sorry. Okay. Lenny is the... Lenny yeah. is... I was going to say. Yeah, God, yeah. 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 I, I've already flowers, been exposed. Flowers for Algernon. Can, can we edit this out? Uh, <laughs> no, it's more that the Lenny... Uh, Lenny works at the power plant also. Oh, Lenny right. and Carl. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Right. Uh, Lenny has his moments in the show. Not this one, obviously. But anyway, <laughs> I'm going off on a tangent. Leon. Leon Kampowski is that character's name. Um, and he teaches Homer about life. And uh, Homer brings Leon home with him. Um, it's Lisa's birthday in the episode. Oh. And Leon writes a song oh. to, or helps Bart write a song for Lisa. So if you ever, well, Lisa, when it is I've your birthday, it. yes, oh. the Lisa, it's your birthday. Happy yeah. birthday, Lisa. It's a classic song. I mean, it, it works for people not named Lisa, but it really works for people named Lisa. Wow. I, I never watched The Simpsons. And in high school, kids would sing that to me. Wow. And I was like, I don't know what the 
fuck that is. Stop it. I was like pissed about it. Amazing. You were you were. And gifted. it was written for you. It was yeah. written for you. It was written for me. Yeah. And wow. here's the real irony: is Michael Jackson does the speaking parts, but he did not do the singing. Interesting. Of that song. Interesting. You, I bet he wanted to get paid more. Probably. I think. I think money probably was the reason. Which the Simpsons at that point in time probably didn't have, but at this point in time probably could make happen. Because Michael Jackson was their first big credited star that they got. I think it's safe for me to say that. They had Dustin Hoffman as a guest (laughs) on a season two episode, Lisa Substitute, which is a classic, classic episode. But he was not credited as Dustin Hoffman. He was credited as Sam Etik. That's E-T-I-C. What a weird. Semitic, if you put it together. Wow. Why? Why? Why would he want to hide, like, not be on? I don't recall if that was his choice Mm. or. (laughs) But Mm. in any. Whatever the reason, he wasn't (laughs) credited. Everybody knows it's Dustin Hoffman. And then the Michael Jackson thing starts. And then suddenly they're getting Elizabeth Taylor to voice Maggie for her first word. And they have, they got all living Beatles at the time, including George Harrison before he died. Oh my God. Um, I mean, uh, uh, Doogie Howser, uh, Neil Patrick Harris was was a voice in this episode. He certainly was. Yeah. And this was his (laughs) Doogie. This is not how I met your mother. He was years away from that. This is Doogie Howser, a show about a child who becomes a doctor, (laughs) by the way. That is the conceit of Doogie Howser, MD, 12-year-old doctor. The amount of schooling that... In med school, that doctors have to go through, and, and this people kid is watch just... Doogie wow. Hauser, MD. I feel wow. like the morality would be the biggest problem, right? Of having a child be a doctor, uh, like because children are terrible human beings half the time. Well, and and the the <laughs> tell me about child, child labor laws too. Yeah, oh, like, that too, that too. Yeah, yeah, not yeah. understanding your own biases yeah. and <laughs> it, there's a lot. I a mean, lo- you're a lot. I I do work with. Uh, teenagers now so yes um, I, I'm not going to say much more than that Fair but enough. great theme song for Doogie House really MD, though. oh, oh yeah it's, wow it's very early 90s actually okay. I think that show started in the late 80s but we definitely have had really good theme song shows uh, on mm. we had we had the Golden Girls we had That's uh, the X-Files we had yep. Twilight, um, Zone. Twilight Zone um, yep. Cheers. I mean, oh, Cheers yeah, is a good one. Really good theme songs in these. Are you too aware that The Simpsons had a crossover with the X Files? Holy shit! Amazing with Mulder and Scully. Yes, Mulder and Scully. Is it in universe X Files universe? Oh my god! Yes, agents Mulder and Scully go to Springfield. Wow. Uh, So obviously they got David Duchovny and uh, Jillian Anderson. That's That's amazing. Great. That's amazing. It's incredible because I don't doubt there's hundreds and hundreds of hundreds of guest stars and and references to other television shows and stuff making The Simpsons span like all so many realities Uh, like because. The, the Simpsons takes place in our reality, too, in, in a sense, right? There's the people that um, that guest star as themselves. And yes. Are yeah. like, and, and Homer yeah. goes to New York in one episode. Yeah. And they, they go to many places. Bart versus Australia is a classic episode. <laughs> um, one of the first ones where the Simpsons travel. Amazing. But, um, 
there's another crossover episode that I really like where the critic, if you two are familiar with the critic, this is a short-lived show, animated show on ABC in uh, which John Lovitz plays a, a film critic named Jay Sherman. Huh. This is created by former Simpsons writers, uh, Al Jean, and I forget who else. Um, and they bring him to town, to Springfield, to judge the Springfield Film Festival. <laughs> this was polarizing among Simpsons writers. Some thought it was crass and tacky, and others didn't uh, see what the problem was. But crass when it happened, it was tacky. a... Big deal to, to have a crossover. To have episode. a crossover episode with another another animated show. Yes. Wow. And of course, they later on they did it with Family Guy. Yeah. So you know that rule. They got, did it with Family Guy. Oh no doubt. Like I mean, twenty years later. Yeah. But, yeah. Like, oh Fox, my God. They're both on Fox, and yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I'm not surprised, but I didn't know. But the critic was not. The critic was on ABC. Oh, interesting. There are some classic jokes in that episode that the uh, the critic is on, um, Jay Sherman, and these are jokes that you are aware of even without having seen this episode. I can promise. That's you one that. of the things. The Simpsons is like Shakespeare in in the <laughs> amount of of uh, cultural um, what is it uh, currency currency yeah, yeah uh, that that it has spawned that it has coined. It, it's like a show that's like, what's a cliche? How do we write that and make it original? Like, how do we take this thing that everyone knows about or like this concept and, and make it interesting? Mm. How does Simpsons do this cliche or this story? Because I feel like the, like the, it was kind of uh, like Ferris Bueller-esque. Like, I felt like Bart is very much like that kind of character, happy-go-lucky, doing his thing, and, or like, it, all the gangster stuff is all a cliche, too, and... Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Cr crashing those two ideas together, that's nuts. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, the episode we watched, Bart uh, uh, ends up getting in... Uh, in uh, what is it called when you're just chilling with some folks uh he, he gets in good with some gangsters in in springfield and ends up being a bartender and uh and then it turns out that these gangsters are criminals and then he ends up getting accused of murder um of principal skinner murder and then they all throw then him they under all the, throw bus. the bus, including Homer, and and then we find <laughs> out that Skinner's alive, and and it was a totally different thing. And it was, it's like, it's like jokes, jokes, jokes. Uh, and the episode is kind of broken up in the very beginning. It is Bart Simpson's very bad day, and it's yeah. just jokes and jokes of how things can get worse. There's like a, a close up on his dry tongue from licking postage stamps for or letters for. I the PTA. Oh, <laughs> PTA letters for hours for a full school day. Yeah. Just licking letters. Ooh, visceral. <laughs> um, and then he, yeah, he, it feels like that Batman comic um, uh, where it's like, it just takes one bad day to turn someone into the Joker. <laughs> um, and it's basically, that's like, that's what happened to Bart. <laughs> he had just one bad day and is now in, it like finds a home in these, criminals uh a home a job and then he starts to become a different person yeah yeah starts wearing his suit starts saying all those like uh 1920s gangster things starts S uh, singing singing the songs yeah, from the 50s yeah like, crooner songs and you know? then 
but the moment it becomes like that he might have killed somebody like he really feels guilty about like yeah maybe skinner is dead yeah he's he's totally changed he 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 has a a morality he has guilt he has shame there um uh which is an interesting like oh he is a good he is a good person. He is a he has a moral compass of a sort. Bart does have a conscience. Yeah. They they uh, the writers are always cognizant of not pushing him too far mm-hmm. to the edge of just being a total child sociopath. Right, right. Speaking of sociopaths, when he's in jail, isn't that the guy next to him in jail? Side it is sideshow Bob. Yeah. Is that the first time you see him? No. No. That's uh I was in a play. Uh, we've talked about this. <laughs> we part. have. Uh, uh, Which I saw recently yes. here in Chicago. Yes. Not knowing that you had been in it. Uh, all I can all I can say, I'm not going to explain it to our listeners. Just check out um, uh, Mi- Mr. Uh, Mr. Burns, Burns, a post-electric play. Oh, post-electric. Mm-hmm. My apologies. Mm-hmm. A post-electric play. It's definitely worth seeing if and it's being Washburn. staged. Yeah, absolutely check it out if it's being staged by you. It's a very fun... People... You can you can do some really cool staging with that show. Very incredible. And you um, don't need Simpsons knowledge going in. I think I enjoyed it a little bit more because I do have Simpsons knowledge, but mm-hmm. it's not necessary. It's it and the it, the show kind of points out the the concept that the Simpsons is social currency, and we can just just by sharing having shared the experience of watching an episode of The Simpsons, we can then share the jokes and the experience and the joy of having lived that episode um and that connects people and that's that um we we wonder why a show is made sometimes you wonder why a tv show is made uh, especially something like the simpsons which has gone on decades way longer than it it should. You can should. say. I yeah. will yeah. say it. This, this it show should. should have ended, and they're lucky nobody has died on the cast. That's the main <laughs> reason this is still going. That sounds terrible, but that's the main reason it's still going on. Is nobody major has major died? Has there died, have been deaths, right. uh, but they're for the, minor people. The uh, I, I the the one that's most present in my mind is the um um what's her name the uh the teacher. Yes, she oh, died really? um, relatively recently. Oh, this is going to bug me. That I forgot her name. It's okay. Uh, we I, have it up. And they, and they have to, unfortunately, at, at that point, that voice actor is so tied to Edna Krabappel that mm-hmm. y- y- the character can't last. Um, well, Marcia Wallace. Marcia Wallace, Marcia, yes. Marcia. Um, and, and this is actually uh, topical for this episode because Phil Hartman voices two characters in this episode, Lionel uh-huh. Hutz and Troy McClure. Troy McClure. And Phil Hartman, we all know, uh, fantastic SNL performer, mm-hmm. and then was such a key voice actor on The Simpsons, and then was um, and a really unique. Great well, his death voice. is yes, yeah. definitely, and his death is a very tragic story. Um, and that ends Troy McClure and uh, Lionel Hutz. They they were retired. In- but I think what the reason this show has so much staying power is because it's. Well, it, it updates itself, right? That's for one. But the other thing is the conceit of this show is that it does reference so much of our reality, of the world we live in. The only reason I think it works is because it's calling constantly. It's pulling from what is going on in the world. And it's using that to like to build the world that it lives in and to... like. And to tell stories, to tell stories for its own characters. Mm. Because 
it's not like a show. It's I mean, it's about American life, essentially. Right. So and it and it even changes with it. It, it, it's the American dream, essentially. They own their own home. It's mm-hmm. 2.3 children. Yeah. A dog and a cat. Two cars. That's circa 1990. Yeah. That's the American dream. And and it, the way that the dream is changing and changes through history and through these past 30 years is is a very interesting uh, uh, thing because we're, we're constantly processing it. And it's interesting that, it, that it has to process itself as a, as a concept, but it's still present enough for it to be a very relevant and very familiar, like perspective for anyone. There is a, um, uh, any American child um, can see the Simpsons and sees that like quote unquote nuclear family and sees that as like, oh, that's what America looks like. Or, or any person in the world, basically. The Simpsons are so, they're, they're so it's, prevalent. It's very Everyone familiar. Very familiar. The, like family structure is very familiar. Yeah. You know? And hmm. I think worldwide, Bart Simpson or Homer would be just, their image would be recognized right, yeah. pretty much anywhere in the world. Which, how many shows can say that? Yeah. Not a lot. I mean, do I there's like there are things that that have been called like the most recognizable Mickey Mouse. Yeah. Certainly Mickey Mouse yeah. more so than But you know at what? Maybe point, not. Maybe point, not. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Why Mickey not Mouse isn't in his own cartoons anymore. No. They don't make Mickey Mouse movies. Nope. Fantasia is <laughs> 70 years old. Yeah. I mean, so I, Bart and Homer, all the Simpsons are probably more recognizable than yeah. Mickey or Daffy Duck. That's not even Disney. But, <laughs> uh, Lo- the Looney Tunes? Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, Bugs Bunny is probably more recognizable than Mickey at this point. Maybe. Yeah, I don't maybe. Know. I don't know. I don't know. They do have like They're, animated shows for kids, but I'm not sure how much of like the world is watching those. Mm. But this show, I think, is for... I mean, it's for anyone over the age of five, probably. There's things that I think oh. I, like, my mom wouldn't let me watch this either. So, yeah. because of that, I've seen, like, maybe three episodes my whole life. But I wouldn't have understood the jokes that would have been inappropriate anyway. Mm-hmm. And, and I would have laughed at it regardless. And that's the real irony of all of this, is parents are trying to protect their children from things they're not going to understand in the first yeah. place. And I've seen Casper. Let me tell you, by that point in time, I'd seen Casper, and Casper is full of some nasty stuff. Huh. It, it, check it out. Christina Ricci, Bill Pullman. Uh, that's... Oh, the movie. I thought you meant the cartoon, no, Casper. No, no. I was like, oh, <laughs> the wow. The movie's got some some like weird adult humor in yeah. it. I mean, it's funny, but it's like, I didn't know that was happening. Like, I, And I, that's such a circa 90s theme, too. I, I think the, the uh, hiding a... Uh, uh, some media from your children not wanting your children to watch a media is not about um the the jokes that they won't get it's about the questions that they'll ask about themes and i Mm. think i think the simpsons people knew that it would touch on broader and more maybe more uh controversial themes i guess i don't know it doesn't seem like it anymore it seems like a like a rote and (laughs) and very safe show but maybe people weren't letting us watch it because well i mean 
Well, here's what I remember. Uh, Bart was seen as a subversive character. Interesting. As, as, a, as a child who was a bad influence. So they made shirts with his picture on it. I'm sure you've seen them. Yeah. E- either saying, don't have a cowman or eat my shorts. These kinds of shirts were banned Probably at my school. I don't remember specifically, (laughs) but I know that they were banned at schools. Kids could not wear a shirt with Bart Simpson on it saying, don't have a cow man, as though this would start some sort of insurrection within a a fifth grade classroom. They were Uh, villainizing this this kid, essentially. Exactly. For, For what? talking back yeah. to adults yeah. like what are you having a slingshot in his back pocket riding a skateboard man i mean it's it's so interesting how we're talking about bart being a latchkey kid and being so free and so like a uh, 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 self um sufficient sufficient of a person um and and that's kind of the concept of children in the 80s, right? Is just like the kids can just go wherever, do whatever. And that was pretty much my they have to yeah, get the 90s upbringing. Too. The 90s yeah. too, they have to just get around. And and the 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 idea that like, oh, like these kids that are basically, you know, unattended most of their lives and have to have to like make sure that they feed themselves their own cereal and stuff uh, <laughs> are talking back to adults wait no they can't be doing that and like uh wait they're an independent person who makes choices mistakes and then has guilt maybe kills their principal that's that's not <laughs> yeah that's uh, i mean that's that's weird it's like you're they're trying you're trying to have your cake and eat it yeah with, with bart interesting well i mean i think that like that like that perspective of bart is actually much more realistic of him actually going out and having adventures than the idea of like a child who is self-sufficient but also totally in line with the yeah expectations of adult i just it's insane to me because a child's gonna get up to what a child gets up to uh which is crazy stuff that's uh, true and the animated part has i think so much to do with it because uh, he doesn't age he yeah. doesn't Bart yeah, doesn't age uh, still hasn't aged um and there are episodes that have followed which uh, where they try to put yeah there's a episode in which they set it in the 90s yeah. where like homer Wait, and marge meet in the 90s yeah. and it's just well i mean me. it has to change like that right because if bart is 10 years old then he was born in 2012 exactly uh, or was he born in you know uh 81 yeah like is it like uh, bart is 10 years old and so the characters themselves have to be now from the eras that they are like that oh, that's such right a they, wild... they have to be shown with the technology that exists now yeah. now you watch an episode and they're using ipads yeah. and they're using you know laptop computers uh, the, the mid-90s episodes where they if they even have a computer it's like a notable thing <laughs> yeah that's true <laughs> and it, so this this show also provides a lot of like cultural commentary too oh absolutely I mean, every single episode that's the so so i have a question about this episode in particular what cultural commentary are they making when they send the kids to the chocolate factory and the chocolate factory has a video that shows an in, an indigenous person well uh, uh, a, a representation yes. of an indigenous person that is very stereotypical and uh cartoonish and very of an of a time that's of a time i would say i'd say it's offensive absolutely i'm not indigenous but i was offended at the the cartoonish 
um idea also the the like the concept that they were smoking chocolate is just insane so what are they trying to say like with that is it that corporations are evil mm, i think that's a little broad or specific, uh, i feel like that's a little modern of a concept maybe i don't know it just sounds like it sounds like another joke to get children to smoke like corporation people are trying oh, to get maybe kids to they're smoke. Doing that. Bart has like a bunch of cigarettes. It's weird. There's a lot of like kids should smoke <laughs> imagery maybe. I don't know. The one thing I'll say is uh, Troy McClure <laughs> is used as a uh, a character uh, he's a has been actor right. who now mainly is finding work doing videos like that you would see in a chocolate factory or introducing <laughs> film strips uh-huh. or i'm troy mcclure you might remember me exactly yeah. and i i even made uh so he in this episode he says you may remember me from the revenge of abe lincoln and the wackiest <laughs> yeah. covered wagon in the west <laughs> these are like that's like wild west films so they're saying that this guy was in he- westerns from the 50s or or the 60s. Yeah. 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 But this is just kind of his his role in the show is to be this washed up actor. So <laughs> I think when it was written, it was seen as more of a throwaway than anything. It's not an excuse necessarily. Mm. And it's certainly not great now. But well, I mean, The Simpsons is it does seem like they're trying to change their tune. They like Hank Azaria is not voicing Abu anymore. Mm hmm. Uh, I think they were. Did they retire the entire Apu character? I, uh, uh, we're, we're I don't know it. the you answer to. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, retire. And is Hank Azaria also like publicly uh, apologized mm. for doing that. I think mm. for so long. There are varying viewpoints on this, though, from people uh, with that background who are thankful for its portrayal of a person like them right, who can, owns a convenience yeah. store and has a successful business and, and he's not has a, a family I, he's not a terrible yeah he's not he's a person yeah. he's just a person who lives in springfield he's not like a i think there's a the the backlash being is like actually just a sign of progress mm-hmm. because that that was probably some of the only representation that was available in the 90s and i don't know i think that's accurate yeah and uh it wasn't something that hollywood was doing they weren't hiring people who fit the character description Mm -hmm. and now and now that's just like okay hollywood obviously has access to people who can play all kinds of different roles and they don't need to even though you have, even though Hank Azaria is this huge fucking talent. Yeah. He's so funny. Uh, I love him in the birdcage. And he's got <laughs> a great voice. <laughs> Mystery men for me. <laughs> uh, and he has the the ability to, to do all these characters. Um, it's nice. I think Hollywood is, is just giving other workers, other actors more opportunities. And that was the real controversy for why to not have Hank Azaria, but it's also, it is great to have that representation regardless of who is uh, we, doing the voice, I guess, we unfortunately. Did, we did talk about like um, the, we in a previous episode, we had a conversation about how 
uh, representation of queer people in, in in the 90s and that kind of television was was frustrating for a lot of people who were queer, who were gay, who, you know, feel like, hey, this <laughs> the is two queer characters in the 90s, you know? Yeah. Like- <laughs> yeah. And like and and they they felt like, oh, uh, anytime a person like who, quote unquote, me shows up in a thing, they are a huge stereotype. And I'm, I'm frustrated with that. And I and I don't see myself in that. And I feel made fun of a little bit instead of feel seen and and there's like a yes i'm getting what i want which is to be to see myself in something but i'm also feeling like i could i could ask for more i feel like i could get more and now they i guess in this scenario they're like well yeah we can give you more we we've gotten to a point where this is is archaic absolutely um I don't know if this came up when in your previous discussion, but in the episode in which Ellen DeGeneres' character comes out uh, oh. on her show, Ellen. Um, Wait. That the, was in the 90s. That Ellen, was in the 90s. Ellen DeGeneres' character. On her show, Ellen. Which was originally called These Friends of Mine, just FYI. Oh, okay. So, okay. So, Ellen is. Had a sitcom. Is a sitcom. Got it. It's yes. not her show show that Correct. she has oh, now yes. that is of the not same sitcom. title. When Got she it. came out, that was a big deal yeah that was a very highly watched episode and it set the stage for will and grace Mm. so in a way ellen is a pioneer in that having that happen i think it was 1995 or 1996 it was a big deal Mm -hmm. people knew about it and that was a time where network shows could get tens of millions of viewers and i think that particular episode did so uh the representation was not perfect at all Mm -hmm. but well and she then got blacklisted from Hollywood for like 10 years until until the talk show. Wow. She got no work, which, wow. you know, I mean, now nobody wants to work with her anyway. But right. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, yeah. I think there's a part of her that's probably bitter about what happened. Mm. But, but then, of course, even in this show, in The Simpsons, oh, uh, this, I'm so sorry. One or Patty or Selma does come out. That's right. I don't know who it was. I and I wish I remembered that. Uh, but I, they're obviously. I should know. They're so, those are such crazy characters. Marge's sisters, right? Yes. <laughs> I believe it's Patty because there's an episode in which Selma uh, marries Troy McClure. Um, <laughs> yes! <laughs> <laughs> so I believe it's Patty, um, but that was also seen as a sign of progress. And I don't know, is it sad that that's a sign of progress, that a, an animated character comes out? I, I don't know. but I mean, um, I think it's uh, when we're looking at progress, I think victories are, are like should be celebrated in even the smallest ways. Yeah. Even though we want big victories and we're working towards bigger victories, progress is uh is a march and every step es- is especially I think it's even bigger that it's a show like The Simpsons. That mm. is I mean, to last this long and to not be canceled, we're talking about the the viewers like a low viewer count in like the eighties was twenty million. And that's very high now, right? So, that would be the number one show. Yeah, it would be the number one show on television. Because, By a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and, and The Simpsons had to survive like going from the however many viewers it had 
on an episode, which was probably way more than 20-odd million. Well, I can tell you the number of viewers of this episode. (laughs) Yes. Because I looked it up. Okay, okay, okay. Right before I left to come here. (laughs) 20.8. 20.8. 20.8 million people watched this. uh, Watched it when it aired. Yes. And this aired on October 10th, 1991. Right. What happened October 10th? So that was low It's funny you should ask, Lisa. Wow. Really? This was the time... If you two are familiar with the Clarence Thomas hearings, uh, when he was confirmed as a Supreme Court justice in 1991, this is the Anita Hill, Clarence Thomas, October of 91. Oh, my gosh. Also, a very big deal. Yeah. That was on network television at night. Oh, so it's literally competing with... A uh, Supreme Court hearing this episode. Uh, now, clearly, this uh, aired. Now, Fox didn't really have Supreme a news. Uh, Fox didn't really have a news division at that time. It may not have been October 10th because I also looked up just for example. Um, so, The Simpsons aired on Thursday nights mm-hmm. at this time. Uh, the Cosby Show was in its last season. I know we're not supposed to pretend the Cosby Show even existed right. now, but it did. And it was in its last season, and the new episode of The Cosby Show that aired this particular night got 15.4 million wow. viewers. Wow. And the Cros- at this point in time, The Cosby Show had way more uh, of a hold than The Simpsons did. Absolutely. It was in its eighth and final season. Uh, its numbers were on the decline. Yeah. Perhaps that's why this was its last season. Mm-hmm. But The Cosby Show was the number one show in America for, I think, five or six seasons. Wow. And Damn. Then, also, this, a lot of history is happening at this time, and Simpsons is still up there. It is building an audience. The Fox never wanted The Simpsons to be a, a ratings powerhouse. They just wanted to get enough to yeah. justify the expense. Networks too. Yes, sure. and yeah. and that's also a, a that's a thank you for bringing that up because Fox was a fledgling network at this point. That's wild. Wow, I've had known only, them since I was a kid. Yeah, in the late eighties. It was the fourth network, and oh. it was trying to gain a foothold. And I'm not kidding when I say The Simpsons made Fox's mark. Without The Simpsons, Holy Fox shit. might not exist in That's, the way it currently does. That is so wild, because what I understand of the relationship between The Simpsons and the Fo- and Fox is uh, they uh, The Simpsons is always parodying and making fun of fox as as a network they they like it that is really true. feels like the simpsons and fox have a very divergent worldview and they yet do. they are <laughs> yeah. so tied to each other well fox they both equally needed each other yeah fox may have needed the simpsons more than the simpsons needed interesting. fox interesting which i think is why they let a lot of these jokes fly wow i know that i do know it that they're hurt first that it's a cartoon i think a lot of people don't and it is seriously. cheaper to right and it is cheaper to produce right, a cartoon right. um the only the other thing that put fox on the map is football i know we're not talking about sports mm. but that is t- um mm-hmm. when the cbs lost um the NFC, it's because they were outbid by Fox. And once Fox bought the rights to the NFL, uh, that really put them on the map. So this, uh. is, the, this is the era of, uh, is it Rupert Murdoch? Is that the guy? That is the guy. Um, did he own Fox at that time? He may have. Hmm. Jeez Louise. But remember, Fox only had two hours to, of prime time to fill each night. Uh, they had three hours on Sundays. But um, they only filled, I'm from the central time zone, I always will be. Uh, so <laughs> s- seven to nine right. was Fox's uh, window. And they didn't even generally 
air news at nine o'clock. So they had like local programming. So they only had to fill two hours a night. Wow. That's wild that like it literally is insane to me, a person who's always grown up with like every network has full programming for the 24 hours of the day. (laughs) And and anytime uh, like a show is on at a certain time and there is prime time, but it's like. That's just because that's when you get home from work and stuff. and, uh, and But that's what prime time used that's to mean. What, yeah. Yeah. And in the pre-DVR days, you had to be in front of your television you at 7 o'clock. Could you imagine? Oh, what they God. called it appointment television. They did. Wow. And oh. if you were lucky, they would rerun an episode later in the season. And oh. for this point, Simpsons wasn't syndicated yet. So if you missed it. That's it. Would they? You weren't seeing it, and it was only the half hour block. Simpsons didn't have a full hour block at this time. It did not. It was Interesting. Twenty two. Yeah. Twenty two minute episode. Yeah. Correct. I don't recall what. Was so on they wouldn't have because I do know that there was a thing where they would show last week's episode and this week's episode. Right? Isn't Fox that a thing? didn't generally no? do that. Didn't do that. Okay. Never but mind. this, I mean, for twenty two minutes, they're doing a, the whole arc of this story is great. And the, they did that twenty four episodes roughly. Yeah. A season. Yeah. The the arc of this is like it's better the like this is a better told episode than some of the animation that we've watched recently which is uh like i mean obviously because this is where we've talked a network show where you have to engage the viewers of that night for the entirety of the episode and a mass yeah. audience and a mass yeah. audience they're like the storytelling can't, has to be much tighter, has to be much more interesting, has to be has to have more going on. And like, has to be has to not reveal too much. Right. Like so everything has to be contained in that episode. Exactly. There's so much to this episode. There's so much plot that happens and there's so many jokes for all of that plot that's happening and it feels like I mean, obviously there are scenes in this that are less than 3 seconds long, you know, and it's like a joke. <laughs> yeah. Um, is that but it's like it really feels like it just powers through there's a whole arc of bart having a bad day getting in with some gangsters uh, <laughs> uh like like having a good time with them like making money um of starting to question the morality of this interacting with them then making him feel better then um like being upset with uh, Skinner and and then them making him disappear and then a whole court like scene and it's like this escalates very high like and it, a media circus as well yeah all in twenty two minutes yeah I mean, that's really incredible storytelling and I, and you talking about that makes me realize that there is no B plot in this episode uh, many right. Simpsons episodes do have an A and a B plot but uh, this is not yeah. one of them yeah. I mean because... there's like the smallest bit of B plot was them going to the chocolate factory and for like and they honestly yeah. they could have cut it yeah absolutely I think it's necessary because it's what gets Bart in the mobster true Din in the first place yes. if he's on the field trip he's not going to be skateboarding by himself right, and have right, the wheel right. fall off um and also there's a lot of good jokes in a lot the chocolate of great factory jokes. one <laughs> i loved the guy going past and he's like play oh, what does he say play sanitary <laughs> hey kids play sanitary as they're swimming through the chocolate oh my gosh <laughs> Just, it's it's gar it's disgusting allowing there's children a lot to run of around stuff this. in this so it's it's blinking you miss it oh yeah can I talk about the writer of this episode? Hell Absolutely. Yeah. The writer of this episode, his name is John Swartzwelder. He is my favorite Simpsons writer. 
hands down. And as soon as I knew that I was doing this and I looked up the episode, I was like, oh my God, this is a John Swartzwelder episode. Yeah. Uh, I, I could talk for hours. He's famously reclusive. Um, he has a, As all best writers are. Yes, he is uh, in <laughs> his David 70s now. <laughs> I also love David Foster Wallace <laughs> if you guys want to go on a tangent about his works. Um, He's written roughly, I should have looked it up, roughly 50 episodes, either himself or, or co-written, but most of them are himself. Um, so he's one of the most prolific episode writers. Wow. Um, I even, we can go over this list of yeah. 10 episodes other than this that are classic John Swartzwelder episodes. Wow. But he is somebody, he gave an interview in The New Yorker last year, and he famously does not, he's like J.D. Salinger, basically, that's what and, was, but, that's what I was but still alive. Yeah, yeah. And that he didn't yeah. want to give interviews. Um, you probably know that the Simpsons DVDs have commentaries for every episode. Yes. He would famously not appear on any of them. What? I read that they called him for one episode. <laughs> he spoke for about a minute and a half and Amazing. then hung up. Amazing. <laughs> Whereas... Uh, most famous Simpsons writer ever, Conan O'Brien, has participated in multiple okay. uh, oh, DVD commentaries. And then Conan got to be a character on the show, oh, too. That's he did. That's great. He yeah. did. And this is also, this is definitely a tangent, but it, it goes to show the Simpsons world in which Conan O'Brien can be plucked from obscurity yeah. as a Simpsons writer and be given a late night talk show, it, David it was- Letterman's. Late night talk yeah. show. From the Simpsons, writing The Simpsons yes. straight Lorne to. Lorne Michaels wow. picked him wow. from The Simpsons wow. to host Late Night after David Letterman. That's pretty incredible. Holy shit. Wait, SNL is a Fox show or, or it's Lorne? an NBC? Correct. And now Conan O'Brien did write for SNL, yeah. then went to The Simpsons. The Simpsons started on SNL as well, right? Or uh, was on on no, he's no. straight on the. Tracy Ullman Tracy show. Ullman they show. were a short okay. on the Tracy Ullman show. Got it. Who appeared on cool. Curb Your Enthusiasm <laughs> in this most recent right. season. Uh, yeah. So it all just comes full, circle. Comes full circle. So, so Lauren Michaels picked. Lauren Michaels also produces uh, Late or, Night. Yes. Oh. Because Broadway no Video is his production company, oh. and they do Late Night, not yeah. The Tonight Show. No. Okay. He had nothing to do with the Johnny Carson, uh, David Letterman, Jay Leno thing. Yeah. But he did produce Late Night. Interesting. And plucked Conan O'Brien, a 30-year-old Conan O'Brien, hosting his own talk show. That's amazing yeah that's amazing and th- this writer of this episode so i don't know how many episodes conan wrote but about three what holy shit uh I very mean, stab writer, very course, famous but, yes but yeah. where he has a sole writing credit i believe it's three wow one of the most famous episodes in simpsons history marge versus the monorail many lists will tout that as either the best or one of the best episodes holy shit. and he wrote it. conan o'brien wrote that wow episode. he writes three episodes for them and one of them is quote unquote one of the best yes wow holy shit he also wrote a episode that i love called homer goes to college uh, I believe these are both uh, season I, four. I feel like I've seen Homer Goes to College. You probably have. I think I have. Conan uh, is hilarious. Wow. He is. I, you can see the talent, even if you don't watch or or a whole lot of Conan or consume a whole lot of Conan. Like right. Anything you do see him in, it's like oozing. Yeah. yeah. And I love Conan. I would watch Late Night. Um, I would 
Friday night was the only night I could stay up late enough mm. because I was living in Denver at the time and uh, the local NBC. Which is of, not c- central time. Uh, mount, it was mountain time, <laughs> yeah. but it did have the same 1130. However, the local Denver <laughs> affiliate saw fit to show an episode of Cheers after the Tonight Show wow. and did not put late night on until midnight. So I had to stay up until midnight wow. to watch Conan. Yeah, yeah. And I'm watching him at... 13 14 15 years old and yeah. loving every minute of it Amazing. and i still listen to his podcast is um, uh is is that why you're so tall <laughs> just to, <laughs> just to a be quick on question. his level yeah <laughs> you're reaching i for would conan like heights. to give conan credit for that <laughs> i do share his lamentations about being a tall person right. however which he will especially when he talks to say jeff goldblum or tim robbins or other people who are about my height which is six four for your listeners out mm-hmm. there i am conan's height <laughs> It is not all that it's cracked up to be sometimes. Yeah. As Lots Conan, of people asking you to grab stuff off of shelves. Yes, uh, or the dreaded question, how tall are you? Uh, Which, if I never heard again, it would be, be too soon. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, he is far funnier than I will ever be. <laughs> but he is an inspiration on a number of levels. Wild. But that is a tangent that I, I wanted to talk about yeah, because I yeah. love Conan. But John Swartzwelder. What a great writer. Where, what did he say in the interview he gave? Um, the only thing I wrote down of note is he was kind of going over his background. He started as an, uh, an uh, working for an ad agency, actually. Um, applied to be a writer for David Letterman. Um, I don't believe he was accepted. Uh, I believe he did go on to write for Saturday Night Live. Mm-hmm. Um, as a, Actually, he gives me hope because I believe he was 36 when he got to Saturday Night Live, which is a little older yeah. than uh, most of their starting out writers, and then ended up at The Simpsons um, and has written some books, actually, uh, recently, which I didn't know that he mm. did, so I'll have to look those up. Um, the one thing that I wrote down, because I believe the interviewer asked him, do you have any advice for for comedy writers and he wrote uh, write what makes you laugh at least you'll get a laugh out of it hey. <laughs> yeah well that's nice and that's really good advice that I is think. really good that advice. sounds exactly like something a recluse would say <laughs> 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 <It's> like, <laughs> right I yeah mean, oh yeah uh, he's I am, not, I am my own not best writing audience. for anybody else. That's true. He doesn't care if anybody's laughing at his stuff. I mean, it just so happens that they do laugh. At I mean, his because stuff. honestly, I'm the hardest person to impress. Well, no. Hold on. <laughs> yeah, Adam is notoriously <laughs> I, I will, critical. I will. I am very critical of my own humor, but I am also very sati- self-satisfied by the dumbest jokes I make. Um, so I don't know. I don't even know what the what the point of that is but like you make a dumbass joke and you feel good about it there's almost no better feeling there mm-hmm. is always room for both dumb and yeah. smart humor and yeah. sometimes yeah. simultaneously absolutely yeah. and the simpsons is so good at that oh god the, so good at absolutely. dumb and witty humor the 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 joke they only did it twice they didn't do it three times which is a, a comedy thing but it's a, it's a joke where chief wiggins comes in and is like i'm gonna arrest you and like do you what do you know anything about uh what was the first one he said do you know anything about the the, the uh, cigarette truck that was hijacked yeah. on yeah, yeah. 401 what's a, <laughs> what's a truck that is one of my favorite <laughs> so good and then he the chief wiggins busts in later is like uh we're arresting you for murder what 
what's a murder? What's a murder? Yeah, so funny. They're prob- they could have been another joke, and they just been. cut it. It, cut, yeah. it doesn't need it doesn't need to be done more than that. I mean, it yeah. could definitely be done. It's such a dumb joke, but it's so funny. It's so fun to just <laughs> like what, what's a murder? <laughs> oh, I should know. Of course, uh, Fat Tony is voiced by Joe Mantegna, ah. who was not their first choice for this episode, but has since. He will admit, I believe, in interviews that he is possibly most recognized from being the voice of Fat Tony, and he loves it because it's like, how is this this goes back to the state that this is indeed the first Fat Tony? Oh, Oh, is there a lot of Fat Tony? There, you see a lot of him later on. This was kind of seen as a one-off, and then they they knew what they had. But we're talking about the staying power of this show. Joe Mantini can make a career. Mm-hmm. I mean, not a career, but to be recognized and like, oh, Joe Mantini, you're Fat Tony. It's like, <laughs> I mean, what a legacy to have. It's yeah. really, are you going to do much better than that? You're probably, I mean, Kelsey Grammer played Fraser Crane for 20 years, right. but a lot of people are only going to know him as Sideshow Bob. Yeah. And yeah. for good reason, because he's fantastic he's as Sideshow Bob. Yeah. He's giving it 112% as Sideshow Bob, and it's the most enjoyable fun you'll ever have with one of with a theater character. Yeah. <laughs> theater characters yeah. can be tough to watch. <laughs> um, as, someone, as someone who studied theater. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, my thought about... Conan O'Brien is that yes, he is the host. Uh, he is a very recognizable, very famous host of, you know, late night show, and he has written for SNL. But like, honestly, the actual staying power of his work, uh, the most present thing. If this, if he wrote the best Simpsons episode ever, quote unquote, <laughs> that might be the actual like thing he might be remembered most for for the longest amount of time. I think he would probably agree with that. Yeah. And obviously it's a matter of debate and subjectivity as to the best Simpsons episode. Right, I have right. my opinions, but it's it's definitely up there. I think everybody well, you, would agree with that. It, the, the beauty of the Simpsons, or the, I guess the beauty of streaming now, right, is that and now anyone can watch this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, like, like whatever. Anyone with a Disney Plus subscription It already subscription had right now. longevity. Which costs a, a, Whatever it does now, I'm not even sure. A dumb amount of money, I think. I think it's it's I'm not it's not dumb. It, so dumb it's over ten dollars a month. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, but when the DVDs came out, that was a big deal. Yeah, it was a big deal when all shows got put on DVD. It's like, oh wow, you can get all of them <laughs> in one. And but then they really went and did commentaries on every commentaries single are, episode. That's fantastic. They're a goldmine. I mean, that is what's cool about, like, Futurama has that, too. Yeah. And that, that's, uh, it's uh, created by Matt Groening, obviously. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, it's in the same uh, realm. Now, I intentionally did not listen to the commentary for this episode okay. because I did not want to be tainted by right. um, their observations because John Swartzwalder wasn't on it. So <laughs> yeah, the most important person to it talk really, to. It really is. <laughs> right, right. Um, so I'll watch it afterwards, but I did not want to. Yeah, I mean, I read the Wikipedia article. Mm-hmm. Here, but um, I didn't want to be clouded by. I I have a question for you, uh, based on because uh, we just watched Disenchantment um, and yeah, talked about right. that, um, and I I want to know what your thoughts are on Matt Groening as a like a as a creative voice because um, Futurama Disenchantment he he's made these uh, I wouldn't say they're a lot more similar in style than are, the Simpsons than is. the Simpsons is, but it is like I don't like what is. 
what is Matt Groening's like actual um, um, addition or like like uh, what what does he give to this other than the look, other than the concept? Is there anything of him anymore? I I would voice. I would say no. Yeah. I believe he has penned one episode of The Simpsons, and I couldn't even tell you what it is. Um, You know, he created the characters. They were mainly named after his family. Yeah. And that's, you know, he he did um, the little comic strip, Life in Hell. Right. Read that. I remember reading that. And that that was his beginning, and then he gets the short on Tracy Ullman, and now he's laughing all the way to the bank yeah. because <laughs> he's on every single one of these commentaries. Yeah, because you know what else is he going to do? Right. I, right. I mean, oh. if, if well, I, I guess that sounds harsh, but it's like this is his creation, sure, but he's not writing these episodes. I'm no. not sure how much creative input he actually gets into he's these episodes for every Simpsons thing. But right, you're, if you're he's the if, creator. if you're on the created by yeah. with. Sam Simon and James L. Brooks, or they're the executive producers. Right. Uh, I think he gets the sole created by credit. I actually. think he does. he does. And then it's executive producers, Sam Simon, James L. Brooks, and Matt. I- right, because he wrote all of the. He wrote all created of the, the characters. Yeah, and he created the characters. And mm-hmm. James L. Brooks is obviously a classic comedic mind mm-hmm. with so much experience. So this is just. But what. What influence does he have over it? I really, I really mm. couldn't say. Um, even on the commentaries, it's the other people who are generally contributing more than he does. And you, I mean, it really doesn't feel like this has his footprint the same way that Futurama so. and yeah, like uh, this and and Disenchantment do. The the one joke that like I thought was like like made me think of another. <laughs> he wrote two episodes. Wow. Uh, it, it, what are twenty eighteen to twenty twenty two? Interesting. Developed Recent by, episode. yeah, created by for. This is weird. No, that's sorry. That's disenchantment. That's I was going to say yeah. he wrote four episodes from 1990 to 1996. Okay, four episodes. Mm. Interesting. They uh, have 731 episodes. The one joke that made me think of that feels like a Matt Groening joke is uh, when uh, Miss Krabappel. Is that her name? Yes. Yeah. Uh, she's <laughs> she's like Crabapple. Yeah. Yes. Well, Krabappel. It's, it's K R A B. A P P E L. Oh my god! Uh, it's uh, she's she's uh, like she's just finished teaching a lesson, um, and like she's erasing what's on the board, and it's an insane division problem. And I'm like, that looks like a Futurama joke. Like that joke looks like, uh, like why would any teacher be <laughs> be dealing with a like a eight digit number and dividing for, for it? a group of fourth graders? For a group of fourth because graders, that's ten Bart's, years old. Bart, Bart is for in the fourth grade. Um. <laughs> That was the one thing that made me think of him. But then, yeah, I, I like I feel like I have always associated like the Simpsons and his name because it's it's that created by it's that like it's maybe it's just our culture always holds this like the creator, the the original mind as some sort of sacred thing um, when it's actually what gives the Simpsons probably its voice and staying power are are these executive producers and and the building of the show around that. I believe the showrunners uh, on The Simpsons have a lot of influence, and it's mm-hmm. a it's a job where they change frequently because I think there's a lot of burnout mm-hmm. um, early on. But uh, I'm surprised it's taken this long to for me to talk about my other favorite show, which is <laughs> yeah. Seinfeld, yeah. in which. Ah. Created by Larry David and Jerry Seinfeld. Yeah. And Larry David either wrote or co-wrote, I think, over half of the episodes. Right. 
So he now Jerry Seinfeld has a number of writing credits himself, but it is mainly season, right? Um, actually, I would think it's more. I think it's more early seasons for Jerry uh, Seinfeld to have an actual writing credit. But Larry David has his hands on over half of 180 Seinfeld episodes. Wow. So you want to wow. talk about a show that the creator is being hands-on yeah. about which direction the show is going. And I think they're just two ends of, of one spectrum. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And in The Simpsons, you're hiring writers from Harvard Lampoon? True. At National yeah. Lampoon, it's like you're getting the best and the brightest of the comedy world. Yeah. Let them do their thing. Well, mm-hmm. the best and the brightest of the writing world, too. Like, a lot of writers go to Notre Dame, go to Yale, go to like great schools and when you're talking about success in Hollywood it's it's like these people are gifted writers mm-hmm. or, or were taught by gifted writers mm-hmm. you know uh, it's a hard world to break into yeah definitely <laughs> <laughs> but it is a collaborative process so it's, it is hard to say whose jokes like John Swartzwelder gets the sole writing credit, but mm-hmm. there's a writer's room. Yeah. Absolutely. A script is written, it gets edited down, it jokes get And who knows how punched many up. animators are throwing in jokes as well. Mm-hmm. And like how many because there's visual things, there's not just written things. And that's it's like, true. It's uh um it, yeah, it's it's a a an ease a cheaper to produce show, but it's uh and it takes and you, longer to make though. Yeah. That's true. It was about six to eight months between wow. um a finished script and actually airing it because it had to be animated. They That's sent incredible. it to South Korea to be animated. Wow. Really? Yeah. yeah. Do they still? That's a really good question. I remember sure they the not. Simpsons making that joke where they were like <sighs> they went into nuts. a room of people animating the Simpsons. Because they do that. That's very, yeah, they're very meta. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, oh, well, speaking of meta, um, <laughs> it's not a John Swartzwelder episode, but there's an episode um, in a later season called Itchy and Scratchy and Poochie. And it is right. the most meta. I yeah. love that episode. Uh, Homer becomes the voice of a new character what? Uh, in the Itchy and Scratchy cartoon um, named Poochie. And it's Homer voice acting a character. A, in... a talking dog. Yeah, yeah. Um, and in this episode, the Simpsons also have a new family member, a teenager named Roy, whose uh, appearance is not explained and whose disappearance <laughs> is also not really? explained. And this is all stems from the network giving notes that the Simpsons should introduce a new character to <laughs> so they do. freshen up the show. And then that's it. That's amazing. Yeah. But that's they're incredible. Constantly introducing new characters. Like I, I feel like they're or maybe they're not. I feel like there's there's a wealth of characters that they have. That is yes. That they, they're mainly they're characters that were already in the universe that get fleshed out. Mm. Ah. Though there are new characters that do get introduced, but uh, if you were to go from the beginning, you would recognize a lot of people who just don't talk, and then they end up talking yeah. later I mean, on. This this show becomes it. It doesn't start as an ensemble, but then becomes an ensemble because uh, they need they need a character of a like a uh, like in this episode they need a character like Fat Tony, and they so they make a character like yeah. him, and then he's. He's now part of Springfield, and now whenever they need that sort of storyline, they have him to go to. Exactly. Um, and 
So, okay, that is a new character, Lisa. I, I shouldn't have been so dismissive. Definitely, <laughs> well, you, that was... You do know more about the show than I do. I And I was making a, an assumption. So. And this is season three, so it's early. And that's, and that's what I was um, just about to say, is the writers admit that season three is probably their best season because they hadn't... There were so many storylines they just hadn't done yet. Yeah. So there's so much fertile ground to come up with plots. Mm, maybe season well, three is why, the best season of any TV That's like show. why we picked it, because season one, establishing characters yeah. and, and the world. Season two, okay, we can do something more with them. Yeah, like these what characters can we now. Do? Now we can actually write season two is almost the first season, right? Like you could, for a lot of shows, you could skip the first season and just watch the second season. And a season. lot of first seasons are not good. Yeah. Absolutely. The Simpsons, yeah. in fairness, only had a few episodes the first season. It's. Yeah, like not, 11. It's or not something? The Simpsons we know. Yeah. yeah. Which is different from like Netflix shows where there's some amazing. They're first coming in seasons. hot. Yeah. Mm. Like Master of None is fucking incredible. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. But like you look at uh, even. Uh, relatively recent shows like lost i never watched the first season of season of lost and i could watch the entire show without doing that you know you could <laughs> there's still shows that you could probably skip the whole yeah um seinfeld was lucky to survive its first season it only had six episodes and basically got renewed because um it was either i think it was warren littlefield uh, liked it uh, and he was the head of nbc and he liked yeah. it it was getting okay ratings but it wasn't you this, know this wow. ratings thing is is uh, it's what so it was all about back then. it's so wild to me because i've never understood it now because it's, it's never mattered to me yes yeah, subscribers is the thing shows would get canceled like that yeah if the ratings were not good enough and it's also you- about who's and now it's changing from like who's watching because like all these huge providers of of television, like Comcast and stuff, they have to branch out into the internet. They have to do this other stuff because they're losing the amount of money they were getting from advertisers. Right. Because nobody will, you know, no very few people are buying. It. Uh, it's, unless you want to watch sports, very few people are buying satellite television and cable mm-hmm. television, you know? Which that's got to change soon, okay? Like I can't keep... You know, like Amazon is kind of getting into it. They, they have are. NBA. Oh, um, they have NFL. Oh, they have NFL too? Yeah. Okay. Uh, and in um, England, they have the Premier League. That's right. But ratings, because it's all tied together, ratings lead to more advertising dollars. Yeah. So you wanted as many viewers as possible. So you had to be as broad as possible. Yeah. But it was all about the rate. The number one show being the number one show was a big that was the goal yeah Yeah. to be the number one show in america wow and it's still a goal like for a show to be that successful it's it's just hard now on network i think it is and as a admirer of network i grew up on network television so to me it's a shame to see the emmys nowadays that (laughs) shows that no network shows are represented anymore Mm -hmm. And frankly, they're not even recognizing the best comedies, like period. I don't know where really? they're getting these. I don't even remember what won this last year. Um, well, Ted Lasso is great. Ted like, Lasso is great. Oh, oh, I cannot oh, agree with you guys oh, on that. I love Ted Lasso. Now, okay, this, <laughs> let me nerd out about something else. My main objection to Ted Lasso is on the soccer front. Yeah. As a soccer yeah. fan, yeah. Um, <laughs> a, a fairly new soccer fan, it's been almost 10 years um, so some might say that I'm 
not authentic. That's fine. It, uh, uh, people change, people grow, people uh, embrace things at different points in their lives. But so I, I, I watch my favorite team every week, yeah. and I watch a lot of Premier League, and I don't like the soccer aspects of it. Mm. And I recognize that they have actual soccer people from England on this show. Yeah. I get it, but I don't like how it's portrayed in the day-to-day of being involved with an actual soccer it team. It doesn't seem accurate. Not to me. It mm. seems very like an American perspective, for sure. And also, I find Ted Lasso to be a cipher. Ah. He is an unknowable character, and he was he, not developed at all in this last season. In the second True. season, correct? I I, uh, I agree with you. I think he was. He, I think the first season was much more interesting to see the journey of him and stuff. I think the show is not a, it's not about soccer, even though that is the things that I enjoy most are when it's like, okay, how do we emotionally get through something so that we can succeed on the like field? And that's kind of the, the, the point that I want, like the direction I want each episode to go in, but it's not about that. It's just about characters feeling and, and bouncing off each other. I think season two had a lot to be desired because there's a lot of episodes that are more just, just that kind of basic British television feel good where it's like, let's have a Christmas episode. Let's have an episode where people talk about. Death <laughs> well, it's funny stuff. you say feel good because I don't associate British television with feeling oh, good. I don't either. British television's <laughs> all about feel good. It's all about, there's so many shows where it's like, okay, we need, we, we are just making it along and, uh, and think of all the game. Adam, shows I don't know stuff. if I can agree with you. Oh my that. God. Okay. I could talk, I could talk about this. But let's, let's talk about it. Cause you look at the office, yeah. which I don't like the British That's one because it's too bleak, good. right? It is, right. it is too bleak. And that is the problem with the season here. The first season, the six episodes they did is oh, that it was yeah. too dark. It's mm. the, Michael is irredeemable in the first season. Absolutely. Yeah. Everybody is because they're basically, well, first of all, they use the original script for the pilots. Yeah. Yeah. And then all of the other characters, they're just being. And that was actually the British Ricky, characters. Ricky Gervais's. Like he wanted them to use. I the would. First script. I would argue that that the is more script. Ricky Gervais's voice than a than a general uh, British voice of uh, uh, or sensibility. Um, and that and, might be, but it, they needed Greg Daniels too. They have did. a more of an influence because well, the second season successful. there's a big shift yes yeah. but yeah. i don't like the british one because it is too bleak it's uh i agree um uh, but within the bleakness of it um and within the the uh terribleness of human behavior uh there is a sort of um shrugging and um accepting who uh, leslie's just walking by with a cucumber <laughs> She's got her snack for the evening. Um, no comment. No comment. Uh, they, they they accept e- people accept each other and live with each other. And I think where uh, where you guys are caught up on the office, and I just want you. To I watch have other Ghost. examples. I, I want you to watch. Um, uh, like any uh, uh, well, Doctor Who, Eastenders. There's so but... much feel good television in 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 Britain. And um, um, drama that is about people needing each other and s- every once in a while actually being there for each other. There is also a lot of people are terrible people. Look at the peep show. All these I people are lo- I was about to They're say peep awful. show. I yeah. love peep show. Yeah. <laughs> and that is a show. Well, I mean, the, uh, Mark and, and Jez do look out for each other. They do. Yeah. And. 
unfortunately, they like ruin everybody else's uh-huh. lives in uh-huh. the process. Yeah, 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 yeah. But that is a classic show. Um, the, and this goes back to what we were talking about earlier. Is mm. in network days, you had to churn out twenty four to twenty six episodes yes. a season. That's that a is lot. half of the year. And that's yeah. is that for half hour shows to and and full hour shows. Yes, the full the, the dramas were doing twenty four to twenty six <laughs> episodes. Yeah. That's a lot. Next to a soap opera. You're not churning out more content. Right. Then just call it 25. 25 episodes a year? That's a lot. Is insane yeah. when you think about it now. Yeah. I mean, we were talking about that in when we were talking about uh, X-Files. Just like they had to. That's a mm-hmm. lot of episodes to write. And a lot of. That is of a lot of supernatural stuff to yeah. come up with. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of like the like planning out the entire character arcs for your main characters and like how you're going to get there like spreading that out across 25 episodes mm-hmm. i mean spreading it out when when those stories like if you look at stranger things that's 12 episodes and, and that was supposed to be a movie and they spread that out right and it's exciting in yeah. those 12 episodes to get there so much quicker right and x files it's like monster of the week alien of the week and and that alien of the week has to be interesting enough for you to even give a shit about Mulder and Scully. Mm-hmm. Like the characters don't even, I don't think the characters have to be as interesting. And Lisa, it's, it's funny you talk about it should have been a movie because so, <laughs> so Fleabag wins the Emmy, I believe two years ago. Right. People like Fleabag. There's six episodes of Fleabag. Right. It's a movie that's stretched out over six episodes. It was a one woman show. I Right. It, so like, they have taken what it could be a movie, mm. stretch it out over six episodes, and it's winning outstanding comedy. Mm. But it was great. So that's so you, the, <laughs> oh, your so question. You didn't like it over the degree of difficulty. Y- you're, is much lower. It is absolutely. You have much less. You have much less time to commit to it, and and you have much less time to uh, um, uh, have to fill. And, right. And, Phoebe Waller Bridge is is definitely. Extremely talented, Absolutely. but if you're only doing six episodes as opposed to twenty four, mm. so you're like uh. you're you're saying <laughs> what is television nowadays? I am, and I think the shift happened when. Well, there's probably a number of shifts. When Sex in the City won the Emmy for Outstanding Comedy for having done... Sex in the City, really? Wow. Yes, Woo! 18 episodes, I believe it was. Yeah. And that's an HBO show. Yeah. That was kind of the turning point for it going down that road of um, what's winning the Emmy. It, mm. it, to the extent that the Emmy is representative of what is, quote unquote, the best right. show on television, right. which is up for debate and probably hasn't been relevant for years. But <laughs> Well, there's a lot of television now, too. I think there's television. more television. Well, definitely I know there's more television than there was. You said Fox was the fourth network. It was. So up until the 80s, there were three big networks. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then PBS? <laughs> or is that included? I mean, they were showing Faulty Towers, but uh, other <laughs> yeah. than that, yeah. you weren't yeah. watching it for comedy. But that's what allowed shows to have such a cultural touchstone. Is yeah. Everybody was watching. The Cheers got 40 million viewers. Wow. That was, yeah, that's a shit. Seinfeld got in the 30s. 
the last episode of Seinfeld drew, I think, 80 million viewers. Damn. The Simpsons and Seinfeld kind of started around the same time. They did, 1989. So The Simpsons is basically, imagine if Seinfeld kept on going right God. Now. I'm like, glad it didn't because uh, yeah. I love that show. It ended it just the right time. Good, good time to stop doing that. Imagine what kind of a show it would be at this point in time. And it would be about but well, the thing, it being live action, it would could, be totally. Seinfeld could still be revived, too, because they brought back Reno 911. They'll bring please, back any show. Please do not. Let you know what I'm happen. saying? Like, please do not. Let <laughs> that right. I mean, I mean, Larry David, Curb Your Enthusiasm yes, is they basically. Did. And, and they did the Seinfeld successor. reunion. Yeah. Within Curb Your ah, Enthusiasm. Yeah. So Amazing. It was covered. Leave, leave it the way that it is. Leave it. I feel like Jerry is also of your opinion. Uh, Jerry Seinfeld. From what I've seen of him, he seems like the kind of guy that is like. He hasn't I'm really done, done anything. It. Yeah, he's done comedians and cars getting coffee. Mm-hmm. That's that's what he. Other than well, B movie, that's his, it. His stand up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's his. Thing. That's it. That, but it, he it, doesn't look, have to. Because he's, he's made so much right. money. Well, off so is Larry it. David, but yeah. he still turns out Curb. Yeah, which I like. I, I like Curb, um, but Seinfeld is it so, ended at the right time. Mm-hmm. So, so for for me and Adam, we seem to be in the camp that we like where television is going. We do, and you seem to be in the camp where you. I don't think that you dislike it, but I think you have an opinion that there is a better that the way they used to do television was more difficult and therefore more noteworthy. I think that's fair. Hmm. That is a fair, and that's probably your summary of me is fair. My viewpoint is probably not fair. Mm. I recognize this. I do think you have a point that it is more difficult to do what they were doing. I agree with you on that. And they, and they, and what they achieved is, extremely impressive and even by today's standards like i this episode of the simpsons feels uh i mean there are moments that don't feel relevant like when they like talk about um who was it ted kennedy oh dating I, someone. okay well I, i'm glad you brought that up because i knew i would need to explain some of these dated yeah. references um yes yeah, so when she, when uh her name is Princess Opal, by the way. Yeah, uh, the psychic. The psychic. She sees betting well. Uh, sees wedding bells for Betty White and Teddy Kennedy. We all know who Betty White is. <laughs> yeah. She just died. Yeah, uh, and Teddy Kennedy also just died. But uh, Teddy Kennedy was very relevant in 1991, yeah. and, and the Golden Girls was still on. Uh-huh. But we're still talking about two seventy-year-olds. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and then Willie Nelson, who is still alive, yeah. by the way, he's still kicking. S- uh, swimming the English Channel. Swimming the, the English yeah. Channel. Uh, I, I love Wigan Fly. Really? Willie Nelson? <laughs> <laughs> the last one, though, I knew I would have to explain this one. Yeah. Um, where did it go? Did I even write there it down? is. I wrote it down. Princess Opal's last one is uh, Splitsville for Delta Burke and Major Dad. Yeah. No clue. (laughs) Zero clue. Delta Burke was on a show called Designing Women. Designing Women was on CBS. It aired on Monday nights uh, after Murphy Brown, I believe. (laughs) Murphy Brown I spoke about of earlier. (laughs) Um, If you two are familiar with the HBO Max show Hacks, starring Gene Smart. Gene Smart was on Designing Women. Hmm. Gene Smart is the titular, not titular, is the main character of of Hacks? She is. Oh, she's so good. Uh, Also on that show were Annie Potts and uh, Dixie Carter. 
Ah. So there was four women at an Atlanta uh, interior design uh. house, basically. <laughs> wow. That's uh, hence what the name job. Designing Women. Yeah, uh, Designing Women, a very popular show, by the way. Uh, this is the kind of stuff that was on television in the late 80s and early 90s. Wow. Is you could have... Uh, I mean, that shows that shows about women. It's the Golden yeah. Girls. Yeah. They're just younger. They and wanted to see, like, the, the '80s wanted to see what does it look like to see a woman working now that women are working, mm. right? I mean, you know. And remember the Cosby show again. I know we can't talk <laughs> about the Cosby show. This is the number one show on television right. that centered on a black doctor married to a black lawyer and their children. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is at the forefront of society. America wants to see that. Yeah, want, absolutely. Like, and feel good about that and see that, uh, I guess, what we, I guess, in, in a sense, like what we've been trying for in the past couple decades is succeeding in, in that these people are having a su- successful and, and bright life. Well, and, also, and it's only one show, but it, yeah. it yeah. was being portrayed. Well, and it was a very popular show. Exactly. I mean, people also, I think, use storytelling to like sort of figure out how they feel. Like, I feel like a lot of times, I mean, when we did 90 Day Fiance last week, we were figuring out how we felt about like, how do you talk about all of the issues in that show and how do we personally feel about it? And that's like showing America a successful black family, like, that was probably a way for black people to see themselves, but also for, I mean, as for, for white people to consume that and be like, oh, yeah, like, duh, they're people. Mm-hmm. That, I think, is the most significant aspect of it. And remember, also, you go back to the 70s, All in the Family, either yeah. the number one show or very close to it, Archie Bunker is seen as... He's the old guy who's out of touch. He is being lampooned and yeah. all in the family. Of course, based on British television. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. But he is the foil for Rob Reiner and everybody else who even his wife is more enlightened than he yeah. is. Yeah. So, yeah, he's a bigot, but he's exposed as a bigot and millions of people saw it. Yeah. Mm. So even in the 70s, TV was was pushing boundaries. I suppose is uh, the best I, way I can describe that. That sounds like a much more effective character than the Ron Swanson character of Parks and Rec. That mm. is, uh, I think that that the actor that Nick Offerman has had to come out and be like, "This guy's crazy." Yeah, like you, like I mean, I, I, I share I, some of his views, but most of them are like. <laughs> Batshit. <laughs> I'm so glad you brought this up. And I know you've done Parks and Recreation. Here's the one observation I want to make about Ron Swanson. Noted libertarian Ron Swanson. Right. <laughs> yeah. Is working for the government. Yeah. Isn't he basically stealing? Because he attempts to do as little work as possible. Mm. Yet he's collecting a paycheck. Yeah. Yeah, because he wants to, quote unquote, take down the government from the inside. How is this not stealing? <laughs> I mean, Yeah. <laughs> I mean, morally speaking, uh, um, a the government is made up by its the people it represents in a, in a certain way. And so there are obviously people within the government who are representing uh, the people without the government who want less, you know, interference oversight. and oversight and all that kind of stuff. So I guess he's 
he is being an effective um, uh, uh, ca- like a, a stick in the machine to slow the machine down. So whether he's he's stealing or not, he is still representing a group of people who want the things. Is like an it. unethical system, but yeah. he is being paid. But he is to do a job. Yeah. Mm. Hmm. If I ever meet Michael Schur, that is my first question <laughs> for him. That's your first, that's a good that's question. Your first question. Also, that's a good Rod, question. Rod Swanson has the classic line of describing clear liquors as for being rich ladies on diets. I love that line. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot like about Ron Swanson that's, I mean, he's a great character because he's so divisive, right? Mm. Um, but the show doesn't do as good of a job as it sounds like All in the Family does at saying like, well, this person has opinions that are harmful mm. like some of some of his his opinions are harmful like he doesn't he's a libertarian and i'm like i'm sorry but you should just wear a fucking seatbelt. you know like yeah and, and i, he, I, I he hate to keep banging this drum you, you know? shouldn't work for the government yeah he, yeah. he should be he working shouldn't. in a private enterprise he really should he should be leslie nope should work for the government absolutely yeah. 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 Even even April does her job, even though she doesn't profess to enjoy it ever. <laughs> but even April does her job. Well, she does her job to the standards of Ron Swanson. Yeah. Right? But eventually she get like gets more responsibilities oh, okay, okay. and participates. She does take secret pride in it though. Mm-hmm. She wants to do a good job. She's just April. Yeah. <laughs> right? I don't know. Hey, right, this is right, turned right. into Parks and Recreation Corner, and I know you yeah, covered that. Right. Okay. You've covered that show I, already. We're talking about like all of these great shows that come after shows like The Simpsons, come after shows out of the 90s, are it's a, it's a family tree, basically. And yeah. I'm not saying yeah. it starts with The Simpsons, because clearly The Simpsons was inspired by the, the Flintstones, for example. Oh, oh yeah. for sure. Yeah. If you want to go back 30 years earlier, yeah. right? the golden age of animation, the Jetsons, the Flintstones, <laughs> Scooby-Doo. Yeah. Scooby-Doo. Yeah. Oh, my God. And then Bob's Burgers is like is kind of inspired the by- The modern, yeah, that's the, I mean, it's hard to say the modern The Simpsons because The Simpsons is still going. And I, I had the thought of like, there will be a time post-Simpsons. Um and and that uh, that'll be a thing to think about. And yeah, and what does that look like? What does that look like? Where and is someone going to try and fill that void, or is there something beyond that that is actually more important to say and and uh, watch? Um, interesting. Watching television <laughs> is important. I could not agree more. It, I I haven't really realized that yet but if you're participating in this society in society if you want to be um uh, uh be able to talk about and and process the things that us like that society as a whole is processing television is is one of the the forefronts of processing that the writers are processing it the viewers are processing it and we're we're trying to understand it in terms that are familiar and recognizable to us and enjoyable while at the same time challenging us and uh, allowing us to think hard and and change the things we need to change and embrace the things we need to embrace. Sometimes it's uh, each other. Sometimes it's um, new thoughts. But um, a, I, it's part of pop culture. Yeah, yeah. One might say it is pop culture, and pop culture is culture. Yep, like, or at least 
our culture, like like the American culture, which yeah. is not to say it's the most important culture. It's it's the most relevant to us. To us. Like we, you know, I I can't it would be irresponsible in in some ways to make any kind of commentary on a culture that's not ours. Mhm. Or unethical, maybe. I don't know. Either way, wrong. Like, we wouldn't necessarily know what we're talking about. Right. But this is something that, like... I mean, The Simpsons is so prolific because it's so specific, mm. too. And, like, your jokes, a lot of times, like... Like, Eddie Izzard is a comedian who likes to make jokes that are universal and that will last through time. And that's impressive. Right. But... You don't have to do that. To have... To be successful. And most comedians don't. Most comedians have an audience. Most writing and storytelling has a specific audience or a specific point of view or something they're trying to say. Mm-hmm. The Simpsons just happens to have a very broad scope, right, of what it's commenting on. And a broad viewership. Yeah. And that's important for somebody like me as a, a relative newcomer, somebody personally being involved in comedy, Making a Simpsons reference is kind of my way of testing <laughs> what people are familiar with. Mm-hmm. Like, if I make a Simpsons reference and somebody's right on it, I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, the this person is is they know what I'm talking about. Yeah, and I, I'll do that with Seinfeld as well. Now, that's, that's a lot of this is age dependent. Um, if they're closer to my age, it's a little easier for that reference to be understood, but. The Simpsons has more universality than Seinfeld, I have noted. Uh, more mm. people know The Simpsons with varying age ranges, whereas Seinfeld is a very time-specific mm-hmm. show, I should mm-hmm. say. Or like, you know, people have to seek that out. And and you people can seek it out, and, and they can do. seek out The Simpsons. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's the whole, I think it was before the pandemic, but there was a, a big like movement of a bunch of people discovering Friends yep. for the first time. Yeah. And it was just like, oh, Friends, this show from the 90s. Whoa. And like a lot of people started watching that. And it's people, like a thing. Like, people Grey's Anatomy has, still has viewership. Yeah. And yeah. like the crazy thing about that is, like Ellen Pompeo talks about people that become doctors because they watched Grey's Anatomy wow. when they were kids. Yeah. When they were kids, they were watching it or like discovered it when they were in high school on Netflix. <laughs> and it like, I mean, that's kind of impressive to I have mean, that kind of footprint. We had we had uh, Crystal on for our Parks oh, yeah. and Rec episode uh, who said that she wanted to become a uh, she wanted to work in government because of Leslie Nope. And what Leslie Nope believed in may inspired her, and she w- worked towards that, and she was inspired to do that kind of work because of what she saw modeled in front of her. And this goes to show the power of television. The way the movies don't have nobody is. Well, first of all, uh, what's even made anymore than superhero movies? It's yeah. like nobody. You can't become <laughs> a member of the Avengers. No, but nobody's making positive life choices because of a movie they saw for two hours that that's ridiculous but television can have a positive effect on society because it's there it's it's comforting i mean people in the tv is called the boob tube for a reason because (laughs) you know you go home you turn it on and there's free entertainment even if you didn't have cable that was what the networks were for yeah you just tune to a channel and be entertained at night 
It's also so interactive, more more interactive now than it was. I mean, you had to bike to school and talk to your peers, but now you can go on any number of platforms and you can talk to people about it. You can go on Reddit, you can go on Tumblr, you can go on Twitter, like, and you will find people that you can talk to about the show. You can hear what other people have to say. I mean, there's articles that recap shows. It's people love talking about television. Mm-hmm. And back then it was TV Guide. Yeah. And occasionally one newspaper column. Or like that was TV focused. The critics, right? There yeah. would be right. critics that write things. And now I don't know how successful like a TV critic can be now. They're they're well they're they're processing a much bigger scope thing a much bigger scale like there if a tv critic a television critic is going to be like the new season of stranger things this is what i think of it all and not just a single episode at a time and everything's so niche now it doesn't have to yeah. have brought up it so it doesn't really matter what a, a tv critic thinks right. of anything yeah a, a <laughs> show a has a built-in well a <laughs> anybody with a twitter account yeah. can be a critic and, yeah. and b uh, it's every show has its own audience it, to a certain extent. It's going to be self-selected. I wish uh, we had 10 year old Matt here to tell us about this episode, <laughs> you know, like had just watched this episode. You've just biked to school and, and you're like, okay, the Simpsons last night. And like yeah. what that kid thinks. <laughs> I was such a dumb 10 year old with <laughs> such bad hair. Also <laughs> that I'm, I'm not, um, Did you have a bowl cut. But, uh, no, it wasn't a bull cup, but I like I like styled it straight up, and I also had glasses at the time. Right um, on, right I, I was uh, ten years old; was not <laughs> was not peak Matt, unfortunately. Um, I don't know if anyone peaked at ten, uh-huh, Matt. So yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I would be offended. If 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 we are running out of time, there's a couple things that I yeah. Anything to else you want to bring up finish. about this episode? Oh, I need to finish explaining. Major Dad. Oh um, yeah. was it also a show on CBS. Uh, the actor is played by Gerald McRaney, mm. or I'm sorry, the actor was Gerald McRaney. He played the titular Major Dad, who is in the military, and it was about him and his family. He and Delta Burke were married, and I believe are still married. Oh. Um, oh. I looked that up. I so not Splitsville. Is definitely not, not Splitsville. And that's another thing that, that people say The Simpsons does is that it predicts a lot of things. That's true, oh. including our former president, yes. Mm. But mm. it hasn't, the Willie Nelson thing hasn't panned out. The Delta nope. Burke, Delta... Nope. You Delta do 700 Burke. episodes, yeah, you're going to get a couple things right. <laughs> you're yeah. throwing darts at a board, yeah. <laughs> right, right. I mean, but that's like the pseudo-psychology uh thing that we do in our culture, right? Like we we read palms, we read astrology all the time, and we're looking for these things all the time. But I imagine when John Swartzwelder wrote this, he was not imagining that people would be, A, watching it 30 <laughs> years later, right. and B, talking about it on a form of media that did not exist. So right. when he wrote a, a joke about Delta Burke and Major Dad, he would not fathom that somebody would have to explain, explain it. it to yeah. a a generation who is not familiar with either Delta Burke or Major Dad. Well, that's okay. I mean, those jokes make it even funnier if you're from that time, and I'm sure there's jokes now, like if you watch The Simpsons now, there's probably stuff that is going to hit a lot harder than it will in 10 years, but... I imagine 30 years from now, someone watching this episode of The Simpsons would have even fewer touchstones than we do. Yeah. And and would still probably enjoy it. Would still, yeah, enjoy it. It would still be able to, it's a great story and and 
I mean, they might see just like dressing. Yeah. It's all just icing on a cake, you know? Yeah. It's just, it it is like, it is still funny. Even just the idea of a 10 year old being in that (laughs) place, in that position, and then having to deal with those things and, and then being called to like, to court, to court, to such a high degree, the escalation, it's comedy. It's, being put on trial. He's and put on trial. Yeah. Mr. Burns's one line yeah. is oh, so yeah. appropriate. Yeah. It's like, oh, we live in a society now where we can I hold, wrote it down. hold children to the standards of adults. Oh, yeah. Thank God we live in a country so hysterical over crime that a 10-year-old boy can be tried as an adult. Yeah. The relevance of that is kind of long-lasting. Yeah. I mean, th- there's... In this episode, there it, his crimes aren't really like it's an accusation, right? Without any mm. sort of well, they don't have a body evidence. for one. Let's yeah. talk about the There's law. No they no don't body, have no a body, which weapon. does not make it impossible to prove a murder, but yeah. it makes it a little more difficult, right? So just the fact that he's being put on trial at all for somebody who's just gone missing, <laughs> it's its fairly ridiculous. I, I, clearly, it works for the plot. But and then everyone just turns on him. Just like, what? great, we'll just make Bart guilty, make this 10-year-old guilty. Uh, we'll believe all the adults saying, and yeah. his dad saying, yeah, it must have been him. And that's like, but that's the show making the commentary, yeah, right? Yeah, saying yeah. like, I mean, I, I wonder like what, was going on at the time because because I can think of several like kids who have been tried as adults, but at the time like who was that happening to? I don't mm. know. But the fact that it's still relevant, mm. I can report that um, crime in the early '90s was a big talking point. Crime rates were high in the 90s. So I, I think that informs Mr. Burns's line about the country being hysterical over crime. Mm. And in fact, crime rates were higher then than they are now. And and crime is a big talking point right now in 2022. But higher then? Yes, very much so. Wild. So it's just one of those things that needs to be put in perspective is mm. that it has been worse it's in the been, past. It's been there. Um, the only other line I wanted to note is anytime anybody ever orders a Manhattan in my presence, (laughs) I I have to break out the, yes, what have I done to deserve this flat flavorless Manhattan? (laughs) It gets trotted out every single time, including at the most recent time, a friend of mine ordered a Manhattan and I I brought it out and she didn't understand it, but that's okay. It's so specific. It's so specific. (laughs) Yeah. What have I done? I have always always loved that line and i don't mind the manhattan as a drink i prefer an old-fashioned but i think most people do (laughs) just the fact that bart is skilled at making a manhattan a drink that was invented in the 30s i think (laughs) or the 20s skilled is 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 a strong strong word considering he just read the directions read the directions and did it yeah it was described as supoy, but supoy. Maybe he added a little flair, a little artistry. We didn't see what was happening behind the bar. We just saw his little hair spikes. That's it. I mean, that little ten-year-old had to decipher, had to figure out what a jigger was. You know, yeah, and and what Angostura bitters were. I yeah. did see Angostura bitters on <laughs> yeah. there, and had to find them. Had and to find them. 
Vermouth? Yeah. yeah. Oh my god. This is a well-stocked bar, though. Yeah, well, they do. It is the legitimate, the legitimate businesses, businessman social club. Uh-huh. So they better uh-huh. have a well-stocked bar. But read their free newspaper. Yeah, read their free newspaper. <laughs> that's a wild. That's. I mean, that's a that's a joke that is in you know at all tangible to people read nowadays. Read their free newspaper. Read their free newspaper. My family did used to get the newspaper delivered every yeah. single day. Yeah. So I'm one of those. Uh, a great sports page. I mean, it, you couldn't be a sports fan without getting a daily newspaper. Uh, one last question. <laughs> Final question for you, Matt. What are you binging right now? Which is uh, an interesting question to be asking in a conversation where we're, <laughs> we're talking where about, we're talking network, about network television. <laughs> right. So yeah. I may not actually be the right yeah. person yeah. to. And so let me tell you, it, it's all older stuff, either relatively older. It, it's There's not... Um, well, we're, we're, my wife and I started watching Julia on HBO Max, mm. the a show about Julia Child. Wow, cool. Um, I have, uh, we together recently watched all of Sex and the City and both of the movies. Mm-hmm. And I and, would not recommend that. And just mm-hmm. like that? We do watch And Just Like That. And Just Like That. We have seen all of those episodes. So we are completely caught up in the Sex and the City universe. That's good. In both of its incarnations. Um, I, by myself, have been watching BoJack Horseman again. Mm. uh, One of my favorite shows. and have seen them all, but have forgotten a lot of them. And also, uh, by myself, I've been watching ER. Uh, a show that I watched when oh, it was on, but I, I have not DR seen when it was on, and I have not the seen every Clooney. single episode. So I've started over exactly, and there are a lot of episodes. So this is going to take a while, Dang. but um, that's that's you want to see some good writing, and this is another show mm-hmm. that got great viewership um, because it's very, very well written and well acted, and put George Clooney on the map. So mm-hmm. you can't really yeah. fault it in any way. It is a great show. I mean, there's some really groundbreaking stuff they're doing even if it's not accurate uh, don't come for me medical community okay <laughs> I, I just apologize to your listeners who are probably like oh recommend some great new comedies and no. I'm watching a show from the 90s well, Bojack and that's true but Bojack it started Horseman. 10 years ago do you think that oh should have won absolutely oh yeah absolutely that is the show when people are like what's good I'm like Bojack Horseman Bojack. never heard of it Never heard of it. Are you kidding? What? So many people tell oh me, never God. heard of it. Or, oh, it's animated. I don't, it's like. I can't watch That's animated true. shows. I, I yeah. do say that. I've heard <laughs> that a lot too. I'm yeah. like, this is a study, and they're not humans. Mm-hmm. Most of them are not humans. This is a study of the human condition. Mm-hmm. It just happens to be animated. Which yeah. is why it can get away with the stuff it, it does, you know? And ex- able to explore the things it does. Season three, episode four is the underwater episode so good what a great very what a great episode, episode. Um, I, I, i'm 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 jealous of leslie for having done <laughs> that one yeah very cool but very i cool. have other shows that i <laughs> yeah. am ready and willing I to talk do about peep show. i want to do that mm, i would be that would be fun. i would be thrilled to do <laughs> peep show I, I mean i don't want to pimp myself out as a future <laughs> guest but i have plenty of other shows i'd Wonderful. be willing Love if it. you two are willing to have absolutely yeah. well I mean, it's been lovely having you on yeah, thank man you so thank much. you this yeah. has been a genuine delight it's been a pleasure it's been i have learned so much today about it and it's uh, uh it kind of excites me excites me to watch more episodes of the simpsons 
um, as some of the episodes that I just vaguely remember something about. I want to like go back and like get those jokes back in me. My <laughs> only worry is that I said something factually incorrect, and then no there's going to be that gonna. listener yep. that I am that's yep. like, um, is that's that right? not right. Yeah. <laughs> I use the Conan nerd voice. Um, I'm sorry, that's incorrect. <laughs> um, I, yeah, what can you do? So what if who's do? ever is editing this could do some fact checking for me. I'll do a little really fact checking. I think we can trust you, and also you know. Humans are fallible. Yeah, yeah. Know, and we're, we're not experts. We're experts, but we're not experts. And we're just watching one episode of a show. Yeah. Come on. I've made some broad proclam- proclamations, it's though. True. So uh, I think I'm, I'm mostly correct. Let's just leave it at that. Uh-huh. Um, mostly Adam, correct. Adam, what, what are you binging right I'm now? I'm binging She-Ra and the Princesses of Power. Ah. Uh, I've, I've heard of She-Ra. One. I have not. Oh, it's, wait, is that the same thing? It's the new, the new iteration of it. Uh, uh, on Netflix? On Netflix. Yeah. Um, a kid's show. It's still very much a kid's show. Uh, there's definitely queer storylines. Uh, it's definitely still the kind of... I don't know why I'm watching it. You love kid <laughs> I shows. I love kid shows. Love this them. one's a little kitty for me. And it's just a little like... Well, not much about this excites me, uh, but there's uh, <laughs> I, it's kind of a feel-good space I'm exploring. It's really interesting, the world building they're doing where the planet is a supercomputer, I think. Spoilers, oh, I don't shit. know. When you say kids, what age are we talking oh, about? Oh, we're talking about probably like 8 to um, 14 Probably. So Beavis and Butthead would not qualify as a kid show. Oh, absolutely not. Are you okay. kidding me? Uh, that shows like funny. That shows kids. like really. <laughs> what about Rin and Stimpy? <laughs> that's a kid's show. I would say I enjoyed Rin and Stimpy. Yeah, yeah. It, aim, it definitely aims at kids, and the what they do with animation and stuff feels very kid kidsy. You yeah. Know? What are you watching? What are you binging, <laughs> yeah, that's Lisa? A good question. Well, uh, outside of the, all those shows that you mentioned, which are great and I grew up with, uh, Yellow Jackets. I've been watching Yellow Jackets. I've heard a lot of good things about Yellow Jackets. Um, it's Which should appeal to me because crazy. these women are my age, basically, because it's... Oh, yeah, I think yeah. it's the mid-90s when they um, flash yeah, back mid-90s, to... Yeah, uh, mid-90s. Uh, yeah, the music on it, a lot of references to music. Um not so much other cultural things, I suppose, from that era. Uh, just a bunch of teenage girls who get in a plane crash, but you also follow them as adults. And it's one of those shows where every at the end of every episode, you're like, what the fuck are they doing next? Like, wow. what is going... I'm watching the series finale tonight, or the season finale, finale tonight uh, with Lara, and I have no idea... And the performances are great. Some of the adult, act, I mean, Juliette Lewis, Melanie Linsky are fucking incredible in it. Um, is, is Christina Ricci oh, in yeah. that? Christina, Christina Ricci's yeah. character is particularly batshit. Wow. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> thank you yeah. for, th- yeah, thanks again for coming by. Can thank we you so much, you? guys. Yeah. Absolutely, though my Instagram is not terribly active, um, aside from photos of my cats. If you want to see photos of Matt's oh, yeah. cats, uh, check out at mburtz81. That's M-B-U-R-T-Z 81. Uh, and thanks to everyone who wrote a review. Please stop driving. Pull over. Uh, write us a <laughs> review real quick. And uh, I just... Adam, what should they write? Uh, they should write, uh, uh, take out your 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 fanciest pen, uh, preferably with a with a large feather on there. Um, uh, take out your your scratchiest paper. 
It could be made out of sheepskin. It could be made out of like old cloth. And, um, and get your ink get that vat. Ink, your ink vat uh mm-hmm. if you have to just take some of the grease uh out of your car that you are now not driving um and write for me um dearest mother i've been feeling ill as of late i don't know if i can make it to the winter carnival i do wish that you and little dorothy have a wonderful time please eat as many toffee apples as possible Jennifer. And just post that and at a five-star five, review. Five stars, yeah. Five stars right there. Yeah. Uh, thanks to, yeah, again, thanks to everyone who wrote a review. Uh, thanks um, to our listeners. Shout out to Sal Alonzo. Thank you for listening. Thank you for saying nice things and reaching out to us. And any other listeners who want to reach out to us, we'll shout you out as well. Thank you for listening to season three, episode four. Our theme song is written and performed by Jacob Bernstein. You can find his band Space Out Makeout on Instagram and Spotify. And uh, you can find Adam on Instagram at DamnHD. You can find Lisa on Instagram at L-I-S-S-I-S-S-I-S-S-A. You can find Oz on Instagram at O-Z-Z-I-E the buddy. That's Ozzy the buddy. You can find season three, episode four at season three, episode four. The words are words. The numbers are numbers. Bye. 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 Yeah, we well, talked that about. That is the longest one. That's the longest one. You beat. You beat the record. I knew. I, I knew I would. I knew I would. Right on. Uh, we talked about theme songs, but barely touched on this theme song, which is as iconic as the oh, show itself. Yeah. There's so many <laughs> other things to talk about. Episode 4. Season 3, Episode 4.